Hey folks, it's Jason yet again, looking to uh, finish up my uh, episode on the second debate between President Trump and Vice President Biden. Uh, ran out of time on uh, part one there, so uh, we're going to finish off with uh, climate change and then the quote-unquote other categories like China, North Korea, and Hunter Biden here in the second part uh that'll wrap up hopefully um this political season although i imagine there might be some uh stuff going on with the elections next month but uh hopefully things will quiet down politically here for the rest of the year so we'll see how that goes um so uh once again i'm your host jason with the detailing mind, and this is my uh, series titled uh, "My Thoughts on Issues," and this is debate number two, part two. Um, so, in, in part one, we we discussed the uh, the debate regarding the topics of the COVID response, elections, foreign policies, uh, health care. Um, got a little bit into the economy, immigration, race in America. And now we're going to finish up the last two subject areas, so hopefully this won't be as long as the, the first part. Um, climate change, I didn't really expect too terribly much about this. You know, um, both candidates are, are, are corporate politicians. Despite what Trump says, he's a corporate, uh, he's a corporate bitch. Let's just put it that way. Um... He's not going to do anything, and Biden's not going to do anything to uh, get us off of fossil fuels that are greatly contributing to climate change. And to be honest, I need to, first of all, stop using climate change. It's global warming. Climate change was a, uh, uh, a moniker used by uh, a Republican uh, um, operative to undermine the severity and basically global warming in general. You know, just a long line, a decades-long line of, of uh, deception and uh, lies by the, uh, the Republicans and their corporate allies. And so um, I, should really, I shouldn't really call it climate change. I should just call it global warming. Uh, and, and actually, once again, to kind of plug it in... Uh, um, Ralph Nader on his radio show has an episode where they talk to the guy who coined the term climate change while he was working with the Republicans with the express purpose of undermining global warming as part of the platform of that party. And he has since said, yeah, that was a bad mistake. I'm now trying to undermine what I was doing before, you know, but I think it's too little too late. Anyway, um, so they just, just they decided to talk about climate change. Once again, as I said before, the overall take of um, tonight's uh, debate was we can do no wrong. That's the Trump GOP line. And Biden's line was we need to do better. We can do better. Let's try to do better. That's that's where it's at, um, and climate change, global warming is no different. Trump had to, you know, he started off claiming that we have the best air, the best water, the best environment, basically. Tell that to the people of Flint, Michigan, and a whole bunch of other cities around the country who are living in environmental hellholes because corporations are allowed to pollute. Tell it to Standing Rock people. You know, tell that to uh, California, tell it to Florida, tell it to Texas, tell it to practically every state in the union and the people who reside in each state, because that's bullshit. And even more is he decided to say that we've got the quote unquote best numbers for fighting climate change. Um, well, 
if I recall correctly, as he had even mentioned, they got out of the Paris Agreement, but it was states, but that, but that many states decided to stay in. And so basically what happened was, is even though the United States pulled out of the climate, uh, the, the Paris Agreement, uh, many of the states decided to go and represent themselves in the Paris Agreement and continue it on. So I wonder, you know, how many of those states and these stats that they've put up Trump is referring to and trying to take the credit for it. So that's kind of... I'd really like to see the, the, the numbers on that and see uh, how that's going on. Because, you know, contrary to what Trump is saying, he's not, uh, he's not doing anything to help fight global warming. He's been pushing the, the Republican pro-corporate line all four years. Even right down to the point where he doubled down on saying that uh, windmills are bad. You know, look at all the uh, fumes and emissions that those little, that the engines pop, you know, the, you know, exhaust out into the atmosphere. So bad. I mean, it's, it's nuts, you know. I don't know where this guy, what this guy's talking about. And he goes on and, and kind of doubles down on it and says, you know, natural gas is clean energy. Kind of like clean coal, huh? Um, and that getting getting rid of our oil and fracking industries will, will destroy the economy. And uh, then decided to uh, go after uh, Biden for his plan, calling it the AOC plus three plan or whatever, you know. And it's just like, I mean, I, th- I thought this was kind of established already after debate number one, as well as the, the vice presidential debate that uh, Biden doesn't, follow the Green New Deal. So just because you change the wording and call it the AOC plan doesn't mean that you're not calling it the Green New Deal and saying that Biden is using that as his uh, global warming plan. You know, it's... It's just being disingenuous, you know, and really not trying to do anything to... uh, to help out, I mean, you know, and and contribute to how he's going to help fix the problem. Ooh, planting trees. Good job. That's That program's been in place long before you took office. And just kind of letting it go steadily does not help. It's kind of like your claims about how you help the black community so much by giving them more jobs and lowering unemployment and all these other things. And yet at the same time, you know, that was residual from... Obama's years, because there's no plans that you put into place that you can point to that said, yeah, this is the deciding factor that changed it up for the black community. So you can't sit there and claim you did anything for them. Same thing here with 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 a global warming. You know, you, you can't sit there and show anything that says you're helping fight global warming, and you can't give any specific examples. The only thing you can do is natural gas is clean. Okay, sure. And, uh, you know, Biden, on the other hand, he's like, well, we got to slowly transition off of these fossil fuels. We got to slowly transition away from the oil industry. And we got to stop giving them subsidies because they're the ones who pollute. They're the ones doing the polluting. And, yeah, that makes sense. At the very least, we got to stop giving these, them these subsidies. Because right now, there's an unfair advantage that that fossil fuel companies are getting and that industry is getting as a whole as compared to the uh, the eco-friendly green industry. They're not getting as much subsidies as what the oil companies are and the oil the fossil fuel industry. So, and, and since they're, they're the ones that are uh, polluting the most, why are they getting the subsidies? Why should these industries get subsidies and, and tax breaks and all this other stuff to only turn around and pollute our air, our water, our environment. Biden makes a really good point there. And that's kind of where, where Trump jump, jumps in with the windmill uh, engines exhaust causes causes global warming too. Uh, it's like when idiots talk about how uh, uh, electric cars are just as bad as uh, fossil fuel cars because the batteries, the, the cobalt batteries are still made in, in uh, from... Uh, um, um, 
from places that, you know, they're so made from the same place. And then the way that they go about mining the cobalt to be put in these batteries is still contributing to uh, global warming. Therefore, they're on equal footing with, uh, with fossil fuel cars. I mean, it's just bullshit nonsense like that, you know. But this is the country we live in with brain-dead idiots who not only run for president, but also vote for these guys. Um, you know, but Biden went, went on and talked about how he wants to, to invest in uh, clean energy. He talked about, uh, you know, making the switch over to electric cars and generating, uh, I thought he said like 5,000 um, uh, electric car ports or recharging stations across the United States. I could be wrong on that number, but yeah, we need to do that. We need to start diversifying and going into these clean energies. He also mentioned how we need to revamp and restructure our buildings, make them more efficient, and basically design or redesign our society so that we can implement green technology to help, you know, save the environment. And that's what we need to do. What I really wish something was said was uh, talk about how we can start replacing the concrete with solar panels. Even if it's not um, streets, because there is a company that has made solar panel plates that can act in, in place of concrete or asphalt. And basically, you know, it... it it makes it look like you're driving like you're in Tron. It looks really cool, actually. You know, and there's LED lights in there so that you can, do, you know, you don't have to worry about painting the roads now. You can just put LED lights and they'll, you know, give you the, the fog line, the center line, you know. You can even put, you know, like one-way, you know, directional arrows so that, you know, which lanes are going which ways. You know, you could design it because they're Wi-Fi capable, and they're GPS capable. So these, these plates have Wi-Fi and GPS built into them so that you know exactly where you're at in terms of your GPS coordinates, which, by the way, will help with driverless cars and that new technology coming out. It also has Wi-Fi, so, you know, you can, you know, you can make sure that uh, if there's a crash coming up ahead, you can start getting warnings via which lanes are closing. Or if you need to... Uh, change things up a bit, and I noticed this when I was living in the Atlanta area, is during certain times of the uh, of the day, they will switch lanes and have certain lanes, you know, switch direction and have certain roads become one-way roads. Um, one that was nearby where I lived was actually a three-lane road, and the middle lane would shift its direction during rush hour traffic. So it'll go one way to help traffic get to work, and then the lane will actually switch directions in terms of its signs, and they had little LED lights that would show you which which way it was going. So if you saw an X above it, you couldn't drive in that lane because it's the traffic's oncoming. If you saw a green arrow pointing up that tells you you can now use that lane to drive through. The same thing can be done with these LED uh, uh, um solar panel plates that this company designed. You can now put the X's or the uh, the red X's or the green arrows or any kind of other indication into the LED lights on the on these plates and kind of connect them together, you know, and then they feed into each other and then you can have a whole Wi-Fi system that can be used, like I said, to make it look like Tron where you get more feedback in terms of what's coming up. So if you have a road that needs to go where you have four lanes and all four of them need to go one direction to help with the flow of traffic, you can now do the Wi-Fi, connect to it, say, hey, I need all four lanes to go, you know, one direction to help with the traffic flow. Just like how we have the light traffic light system set up so that they, you know, they are automatically going from red to yellow to green and all that stuff. Same thing with the uh, the signs uh or the, the LED lights and saying this is the direction of the road. Nothing was mentioned about this kind of technology. Now, could that be qu- quite an, uh, an ordeal to get it to switched over to that kind of a, a, a system? 
yeah, that might be kind of, kind of big. What they could do is they could use these um, um, solar plates and instead of paving sidewalks with them, start small and use those instead of concrete or parking lots, you know. Um, use them for parking lots. Start small. If you don't want to revamp the whole road system, like I said, start with sidewalks, start with parking lots, start with driveways, you know. That would be a good thing to do. And I think some of them too, uh, some of the more advanced models of these uh, um, solar panel plates, like I said, they're solar panels, so they draw in, they draw in energy and power, and because they connect to one another, they can connect into the grid. Um, but some of these uh, more advanced ones, they even have the, the possibility to kind of heat up a little bit, and that would help with any kind of rain or snow or ice during the winter. Use it to, to help it, uh, you know, clean off the roads. So now we don't have to use salt or anything else during the winter months, and it makes it easier to clean. Now you might have to worry about, you know, trucks or, or uh, plows or something like that scraping up and ruining the uh, the surface, but... You know, I'm sure they can put on some sort of like plastic covering, like with the, like that plastic film that you put on the screen of your smartphone. They could probably put that down on there. I'm sure there's there's ways that they can make this so that it works out. Plus, you know, when it comes to one one of these uh, plates, if there's something wrong with them and they break, instead of having to replace a whole chunk of the road, you just pull out that plate, put a new one in, it snaps in, and boom, there you go. So. Whether it's a meter by meter or a yard by yard or a foot by foot um, sized plate, you just put it in, set up and connect it to the one next to it, there you go. You don't have to worry about uh, re, you know, recutting out a whole new chunk of road and repaving it or just doing the pothole uh, uh, fill-in method. You just pop out uh, um, one like a Lego piece and pop a new one back in. I think it worked really good for sidewalks, driveways, parking lots, stuff like that. But we don't want to take that kind of initiative to go to go green and use these for solar. They're also coming out with solar shingles for houses. Nothing was mentioned about that. Um, kind of uh, also, if you remember uh, those little strips, those little lines that you see in the back windshield on your car that you can use for the, the rear defrost to, to, to clean off any ice or snow during the winter. You, we can start making those now, or we, we can start making, making those but in solar panel form for windows for houses. Um, another example is uh, the front windshields that are on the aircraft, the, the jets that I used to fly, they had the same thing. There's like little strips on the top and bottom or on the sides that would act as a heating uh, agent to help keep the windshield uh, clear of ice for the winter months. That same technology for solar power can also be put into windows for residential or commercial homes. So why not start revamping buildings in that regard? Kind of hitting on what Biden was mentioning, you know. Let's build it that way. Let's start revamping homes with solar panel shingles, solar panel windows, solar panel driveways and, and sidewalks, and help generate energy that way. That way, we're not relying on these fossil fuels for everything. But apparently we can't do that. And neither side wanted to really discuss these options. You know, let's think outside the box. And I don't think that's, that's possible right now, given the two parties. Because they don't want to take, they don't want to make the hard moves. You know, Biden mentioned that by 2025, we have to really start making some progress. Or else we'll go past the tipping point of no return. And yet, at the same token, he mentioned, well, we got to slowly transition over. Five years is not a slow transition. That's a pretty quick transition. We need to do start doing it now. We've got to start, you know, making sure that 
we can make this transition and it's affordable for everybody. If that means people's got to start footing the bill, or if, if, if they got to start footing the bill for people, that means paying, you know, raising taxes on the rich and these corporations, then so be it. I mean, that's part of Trump's or Biden's tax plan anyway. Anyone making more than $300,000 is going to get uh, see a tax increase. There you go. Start funding that way. Start pulling funding from, from our military. We're, getting, we're, we're paying more than $750 billion a year. Why is all that money going towards the military? We need to start rethinking how we budget ourselves and budgeting for this new technology to help fight climate change or global warming is what we're going to need to do. But it doesn't seem like either side really wants to take the, uh, um, take the plunge and do this. So I guess we just slowly watch our planet die and become uninhabitable for human life and eventually reset itself and humans won't be part of that reset button. Take your pick. And then lastly, let's talk about, you know, the section where they discussed Hunter Biden, North Korea, China, stuff like that. Um, when it came to Hunter Biden, you know, uh, Trump went after him for Hunter and, you know, kind of said, well, are you the big guy or big man or whatever it is that, you know, that was supposedly in, in Hunter Biden's uh, um, emails. And... I do like Biden's response. He's like, you know what? There's an investigation that was done, and there was. It was an investigation that was done by Republicans, which it was. And it came up empty. And he said there was nothing that they could find nothing that was that was done wrong. There's nothing illegal about what was going on. So, and you know what? Yeah, that's right. This whole thing with Biden or with Hunter Biden is just. It's just Trump trying to come out with something to discredit his um, his opponent. I mean, this is what happened in 2016, you know. Weeks before the election, the Republican FBI uh, head, James Comey, comes out and says, we're conducting an investigation uh, into Hillary Clinton. You cannot do that. That's, that's like, I think, if I recall, that's part of the Hatch Act. You cannot make that statement. You have to keep it quiet. You're not allowed to be coming out and saying that you're starting an investigation into a candidate because they don't want to... Uh, basically, it, it focuses on this whole concept of innocent until proven guilty. So the FBI cannot come out and say that they are conducting an investigation on anybody while they're running as a candidate to become president or any other public office because... First of all, they have not proved that they're guilty of it yet. And so if they make that statement, it could be used against them. And then, to be honest, people can turn around and sue. If you can prove that you lost or that you lost money because of that statement, then you can turn around and sue them. And that's what the whole Hatch Act is there for. That's why no government agency came out and said that they were investigating Donald Trump, even though they were. There were tons of investigations that were ongoing even from before Trump announced his candidacy. But they never said anything about it because they understood that it violates the Hatch Act. And they have to assume that he is innocent until proven guilty. And part of that idea is that we don't sit there and say we're investigating him or anybody because we don't know if he's uh, guilty or not. And so we have to err on the side of him being innocent. But apparently, that um, apparently that didn't apply to Hillary Clinton. Because Comey came out and said, we're investigating her. And then a couple weeks before the election in 2016. And then all of a sudden, all hell broke loose. And all, you see her numbers start to drop. And yet, he never said anything about, oh yeah, by the way, we're also investigating Donald Trump. So there's that partisan hackery going on there. And then, you know, Trump, as I mentioned earlier, he was complaining that, uh, you know, the Dems and uh, the FBI were uh, spying on him and investigating him while he was a candidate and then while he was president. Um, Well, for starters, they started looking into him independent of the uh, um, 
dos the Steele dossier that the Democrats had. Oh, by the way, the Steele dossier started with Republicans. If I recall, it was um, Marco Rubio who originally started the Steele uh, uh, dossier. And it was Clinton who picked it up after he dropped out and, and Trump became the, uh, the GOP nominee. So if you want to sit there and complain about that being a, a, a witch hunt, turn around your own party too because some of your own party members were doing it first and then Clinton picked it up afterwards you know, but even then, the uh, the FBI and all the people that were doing the investigation said they weren't focusing on that as their source of evidence. They had other evidence they were looking into, and they didn't come out and say that they were investigating Trump until after the election, when it was already known that he was going to be president. So them announcing it publicly meant that they could do no harm to his chances of winning the election because the election had already passed. See, there's a, this nuance here that is just never covered in the uh, in these debates or just in, in, in discussion of this stuff to, anyway. You know, it's always these bumper sticker length, you know, sound bites, and there's never really any kind of in-depth discussion about what's actually going on. Each side's trying to set their own little uh, quick 10-second soundbite to just rattle off with their position and, and, you know, and make the other side look bad. And no one's really trying to ask the hard questions and have the lengthy discussions about what needs to be done. And here's the whole, and this is the case of it, this whole thing with, uh, you know, Biden and and his son and, and, uh, and Trump, you know, and so they're... He's sitting here now in 2020 trying to get other countries to go and investigate Biden. He's been, you know, Trump's been trying to get these other government agencies to start an investigation of Biden. Even now, a few weeks before the election. And it's like, I mean, (laughs) it's unbelievable the, the kind of corruption and the kind of idiocy that's coming out of the White House and its administration. And it's amazing that people don't see it. I mean, it's... The amount of projection by Trump and Republicans is is astonishing. It's just pure astonishing. I've never seen a political party be able to deflect, project, and straw man so thoroughly than Trump and his band of GOP cultists. It's a, it's amazing. It really is. Um, they, they do, they take the gold medal for that. And I don't think anyone will ever be able to, uh, top them on this. I mean, they, whew, to be honest, they make Reagan look like an altar boy compared to their bullshit. But that's where we were with Hunter, you know, and, and, uh, you know, Biden did try to fight back with it. You know, he said, yeah, you know, Investigation was done by, you know, and it came up empty. I wish it would have really hammered in that it was done primarily by Republicans just to kind of hit that home so that, you know, he could say, well, it wasn't my team that found me okay. It was your team. But he didn't really hit on that too much. He didn't really hit too much on uh, um, the sleaziness and the corruption that's, that is Trump. In fact, the moderator had to come out there and be and kind of mention too that, you know, Donald Trump has not divested from his his businesses. D- Donald Trump is still has a direct line between him and his businesses and the money that he's making, and he has been using this pipeline to flirt with other leaders from other countries. Saudi Arabia has been dumping shit tons of money into Trump's companies knowing that that some that that money is going to come back into him and not only his family's wealth but his personal wealth and they do it so they can gain special interest on him and lo and behold look what's going on you know so this whole thing of 
claim that Biden's the corrupt one who's making money in Iraq and in China and everywhere else around the, the, the world. Well, Trump's doing it too. He was still trying to pursue a uh, some sort of tower deal in Russia while he was running to be president in 2016. He's got connections to China. The moderator even said, hey, you know, you got connections, you got investments in China. And you haven't fully divested from your from your uh, from your companies. And even in 2016, he took money. Yeah, sure, Trump uh, funded his own campaign when he was running to be the GOP nominee. But once he won that nominee, he started taking uh, money from corporations and and others just like anybody else. At the time, the company that my, my wife worked for announced that they were going to give, I want to say like, what, $400,000 or something like that. It was, I think, six figures that they were going to give Trump for election in 2016. Oh, by the way, it was also a foreign company from England. So, you know, yeah. If you think Trump is, is not taking money from special interest donors whether they're foreign or domestic uh, corporations or plutocrats, you're full of shit and you need to wake the fuck up. Because he's doing it. He is the biggest con man, the biggest snake oil salesman I've ever seen. And he is swindling us all so he and his little fam, his family of brats can, can make out rich off of this. That's what's happening. And I really wish that Biden and even the moderator would have pushed back even more than what they did. But they just kind of went with the flow and let them make his statements. And then like, okay, well, let's go and talk about something else. Sure, whatever. Um, he told it about how, you know, Trump told about how he's not the typical politician. And that's why he got elected. No, you are the typical politician. You're playing the same game that career politicians have been playing before you for decades. You're part of the uh, the establishment. You've admitted it. Just that instead of being the in the political the politician class, you're part of the donor class before. So you're basically one of the plutocrats, you know, who would throw money at politicians. And you admitted it too that he he's donated to d- Democrats and Republicans. You know, I'm sure you know he did some stuff when he was part of the Reform Party when he tried to run the first time. I think 2000 or 2004 or somewhere. You know, it was about 10, 20 years ago he tried to run. Um, I think he even ran too in 2012 and he dropped out really quick because he was quiet and just kind of sat there like a dumb loaf in the corner and didn't really know much of anything. And he figured out in 2012 that, hey, I just got to appeal to the, the idiot racists in this country and I can become president. Sure enough, that's what he did, but... You know, he, he's, if you don't think he's the typical politician, then you're full of it. He is playing the same game as any typical politician who has made a career out of it. And he's been, always been part of that establishment elite group. Just once, once again, like I said, instead of him being the, the receiver, he was the giver when it came to uh, political donations. That's the only difference. Instead of giving it, now he's receiving it. <laughs> so, and then he kind of, you know, took another pot shot at, at Hunter Biden. And this is kind of what, what makes me wonder that, how, how, why people can't understand that this is all a hoax, is that uh, Trump mentioned that uh, Hunter was making about 180000 a month working at Burisma. But when the whole thing first broke, I thought it was like fifty thousand. Weren't they saying it was like fifty or seventy five thousand? It seems like his monthly pay keeps changing from day to day, week to week, month to month. As this whole Hunter Biden conspiracy uh, theory, uh, whatever bullshit, keeps unfolding, his monthly payments, his 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 salary keeps changing as to how much he gets, whether yearly or monthly. And they're, and they're complaining about this, too. Oh, he's making way too much. He doesn't know what he's doing. Uh, yeah, so does your family, Trump. You know, your Trump brats don't know what they're doing either. You don't know what you're doing. You're a president. And this is, and to be honest, this is the capitalist system that you people want. Where a bunch of idiots who don't know what they're doing can go in and sit in some top exec position and make six figures a month or millions a year, or whatever. Meanwhile, the workers, 
are living paycheck to paycheck. Meager wages. Oh, but we can't raise minimum wage to 15. That's going to ruin our economy and it's going to put a bunch of companies out of business. Now let's get more and more for the top execs and CEOs because they're the real hard workers, right? You can't sit there and complain about Hunter Biden making six figures a month or whatever, even 50000 a month, whatever it may be. But that's when that's the system that you have supported and been okay with putting into place. So this is all part of Reaganomics and the, the neoliberal policies that have come about in our economic system. So make the bed you, you, uh, you can sleep in the bed that you made and you don't get to complain about the big pile of shit that's right next to you because you're the one who made it that way. You don't want to listen to liberals or people on the left when they, when they, when they uh, discourage this kind of uh, political be- or uh, economic behavior. Nothing was said, you know, everybody scoffed at uh, Ralph Nader and all these other uh, politicians who said, no, we can't be doing this. We need to think about the people, not the uh, CEOs. So this is the neoliberal paradise you, you want, so you cannot complain when somebody you don't like or the son of somebody you don't like is doing what you yourself and your family does. Get over it. So I find it very hypocritical and, and just idiotic that they're complaining about how much Hunter Biden made while he was at Burisma or Prisma or whatever it's called and vice versa that Trump and his shitty family also do the same thing. You know, you guys can't complain because you're the ones that are promoting this kind of a economic system to begin with. So, you know, that's how you want to if you want to get a sword fight, don't get pissed off when you get stabbed. There you go. Um, Biden then decided to go and, you know, I guess kind of, you know, bring it more towards foreign affairs and, and foreign policy and talking about how Trump likes to cozy up with dictators or thugs, as he put it. You know, and while at the same time, for lack of better words, give the fi- give the finger to all of our allies. Excuse me. <coughs> so, you know, that's kind of what Biden's rebuttal was: is you know, your foreign policy is no better th- is not better than mine because you're cozying up to thugs like uh, in North Korea, while you're snubbing off our allies. And, you know, he is right about that. You know, Trump cozies up with the uh, the literal neo-fascist down in Brazil. Bolsonaro was part of the right-wing authoritarian government down there from, you know, last from the previous generation back in the 70s, 80s, maybe even 90s, you know. And uh, he has been caught on tape recently here, like within the last three, four years, lamenting about how this authoritarian government that he was part of didn't go far enough when it came to persecuting people there in uh, Brazil and taking out his political ri- their political rivals. And now here he is again. You know, he's now in power and he's trying to do the same far-right uh, neo-fascist uh, behaviors. Trump is also you know, cozies up with Duterte over in the Philippines. He's known for the same thing. He's known for just extreme, you know, war on drugs measures. Where basically he's like, well, we don't have a prison population because we just kill people who are, who are on drugs. And that's the kind of model that uh, Trump likes. And, and in all honesty, that's probably going to be his war on drugs policy if he gets his way and he starts really cracking down. I can foresee him just saying, okay, well, we'll just put you to death now if you're a drug addict. No, you don't need therapy. You don't need help. You know, we'll just, you know, make it a death sentence like Duterte does over in the Philippines. And then he gets all cozy with uh, 
North Korea's leader too. And, and Biden kind of points that out. But here's the thing. You know, whether it's dealing with China or North Korea, nothing is ever mentioned about the, 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 the saber-rattling and the warmongering that the United States does. You know, the moderator asked both Joe Biden and Donald Trump, hey, what are you going to do about North Korea? They're still trying to get nukes. What are you going to do about it? And nothing was brought up about how we need to stop aggravating and agitating North Korea by doing these little war games with South Korea right on their backyard, you know? So we're doing all these war games, doing all these military exercises, goading and provoking North Korea, getting them on the defense, you know, backing them into a corner. What do you think they're going to do? They're going to go after a nuclear weapon as a means of defense. I mean, that's what we do. That's what all these other countries that we're we're, uh, allied with, they're allowed to do. They're allowed to have nuclear weapons as a deterrent. Basically saying, if you come after us, we'll just nuke the fuck out of you. So why can't North Korea do it? Last time I checked, North Korea doesn't have 800 plus military bases around the world. Last time I checked, North Korea hasn't been, you know, uh, uh, going around trying to topple governments that we don't like and putting our guys, our puppets into them. You know, like what we've been doing in Bolivia or Venezuela or Gabon or Iraq or Afghanistan, or Syria, or all these other places that our military goes into and plays imperial war games. I don't see North Korea doing that. North Korea doesn't have, doesn't spend $750 billion a year on, on its bloated military, surpassing the, the next 10 countries behind us. North Korea doesn't have the most nuclear weapons in the world, that's the United States. So if we're going to sit there and say that North Korea is worse than the United States, no, they aren't. They're not. they got their problems, but we've got far worse problems. As we've already seen in this debate, the previous debate, and then the vice president debate. We've got our, we've got our own problems, and they are an avalanche compared to what North Korea has. But we can't admit that. I mean, Trump can't admit that. Even Pence couldn't admit it in, in their little uh, um, debate. For, from their point of view, everything is perfect and, just, and, and right and divine about this country. Nothing's wrong. And if you disagree with anything, well, then you're just being un-American and... Uh, unappreciative of just the awesomeness that this country bestows upon us and everybody around the world. That's, that's the, the, the GOP narrative. We're perfect and we have no problems. Unless if there's a Democrat that's somewhere to blame for something. But then when there's a Republican, oh no, everything's perfect. Everybody else has problems, but we don't. That, that's kind of the narrative that's going on here. Nothing was said about it. Um, even when it comes to China, you know, they're, the, 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 the narrative that came out of, uh, from Biden was, well, we're going to make them follow the international rules. You know, we're going to, we're going to put, basically put their feet to the fire and make sure that they don't do jerk, you know, jack shit. But no one's holding the United States to the fire. The re, you know, everything that the, that, that China or Russia or all these other countries are, are trying to do. It's because we're doing them, getting away with it. And so all these other countries figure, well, hey, if the United States can do it, so can we. And they're right. If the United States is allowed to do all this dick shit, then all these other countries should be allowed to as well. That's something that I, I just don't think Americans understand. We are, being, we are allowed to get away with so much dick shit around the world Primarily because we have the UN in our back pocket. And yet, anytime anybody else tries to do a sliver of what we do, oh no, it's, you know, they're, they're, being, they're being bad, they're being evil, they're the excess of evil. The, uh, 
the triad of uh, terror, whatever they called it, triumvirate of terror. I don't know what Bolton called it, but you know, it's 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 very hypocritical on on our part to sit there and point the finger at China and North Korea and all these other countries and saying they're a grave threat to the world when most of the world thinks that the United States is the biggest threat to world peace and to stability of the world. So maybe we should spend less time talking about keeping North Korea and and China in check and maybe talking more about what we need to do to keep ourselves in check so we don't have some madman like Trump going around and starting to cause shit and try to start wars like he tried to do in Iran and basically be the uh, global bullies. Nothing was said about that at all, you know. We need to have a, a, a page one rewrite of our foreign policy and even our domestic policy. And I think that's kind of, you know, some of that is kind of hinted at by by what Biden said tonight when it came to, you know, global warming, when it came to race relations in the United States, when it came to a bunch of other topics. That was the generic narrative coming from Biden was, is, you know, we need to reinvest in ourselves. You know, the who we vote for or the, the, the platform that we're going to be voting for is going to be based off of the character off of the morals, the things that we want to exemplify to ourselves and others, you know. And he's right about that, you know. Not only when it comes to the presidential election, but also our different elections coming up for Congress. Who we vote for is is basically us telling us what, what we value the most. What do we think is important? And in all honesty, it's basically us putting our money where our mouth is. Saying, here's what I think our our money needs to go to as a society, as well as potentially individually. And at least from one party, it seems like they're at least willing to say, hey, you know, we're not perfect. We've got a long ways to go. We've come a long ways. But we also need to better ourselves and we need to keep working on bettering ourselves because the moment we think that we've reached perfection or reached that supreme A grade that we no longer need to work. And when that happens, that's when we start to falter and go backwards. And that's what we're seeing right now as seen in the last few years and decades that that we've been around. You know, it's it's we've gotten this attitude that we are that we have a a grade A society, and as a result, because we're so perfect, we don't need to do anything. We don't need to watch ourselves. We don't need to continue to strive to be better. And as a result, we've, you know, we're in a downward spiral, and we've got one can who's saying is who's acknowledging that we're in this downward spiral and saying, hey, we gotta. We gotta do something to to get back to where we need we where we should be. We got the other ones like, nope, we're fine. We're just you know, it just means we're flying fast. That's all. I mean, we're in the nose. We're in a downward dive. I know it just means we're flying fast. That's that whistling noise you hear. It's just we're flying really fast. We're doing really great. We're gonna get this so quick, you know. But that's where we're at, you know. And and I think that's the the, the biggest takeaway for this whole debate and this whole election is. You know, how do we want to be represented as a people? Do we want to be represented by someone like Trump? Someone like Biden? Should we be represented by somebody else that's not them? You know, um, I think we've got a long ways to go. And in all honesty, I don't think the next four years are going to be that great. Um, yeah. I'm just when it, when it comes to the next four years or even the next ten years, I'm not I'm not very optimistic about it. I'm more pessimistic than I am optimistic. Um, especially if Trump gets reelected, 
and if the GOP regains control of the House and the, and can continue to hold the Senate, and it looks like they'll can they'll hold you know pretty good sway on the 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 Justice uh, Supreme Court uh, the Supreme Court you know so. I really, you know, I, I just, I don't see this going very well for us the next four years or even 10 years. Um, I think the U.S. has a lot of uh, maturing to do before we can get to the point where we're back to doing okay even. Um, so that's kind of my thoughts on, on this whole debate. You know, it overall, these debates were very... They were very shallow in their discussion of the main issues. They they didn't really cover what needed to be covered. They uh, they just re- resorted to making those quick sound bites that could be used to kind of you know prop up their their base and say, "Hey, look, we're saying that this is what we mean." And then, okay, whatever. It, it it's just something needs to be done to to fix this, and. Uh, I don't foresee it happening anytime soon. So let me know what you think, you know. How can we improve the system? How can we improve the debates? How can we improve voting? Um, how can we improve candidates that we're looking at to to vote for? You know, what can we do to improve our society? You know, we've got, we've got a long ways to go. We've come a long ways, but we've got a long ways to go. What can we do to keep bettering ourselves or is this it? Is this as good as we can get? And if that's the case, yikes. Anyway, I'm your host, Jason. Checking out. This has been another episode of The Detailing Mind. I'd like to uh, thank everyone for staying awake this late and uh, listening in. And uh, we'll check you. We'll check you next time and see how you're doing then. So, have a good evening.